Now on News Talk as part of our documentary on News Talk series, producers Jonathan Farrelly and Dave Thorpe look at the story of the Bolton Gas GAA team that won the 1990 Football Club All-Ireland in Balto, an Irish underdog story. And we're in injury time here in the All-Ireland Club Championship final. It looks to be the day for Bolton I'll never forget that day as long as I live. What a day for Bolton When you're in a final, it's a 50-50 game, like, you know. Coming in the dying seconds of the game. Four pints up, and I said to Tony Norton, I think we have it. They knew at that time that there was something brilliant here, you know. Glory, hallelujah. We would have been underdogs against Thomas Davis's underdogs against Forban. And uh, we always had good battles with Dublin clubs. And all those young lads that played in 90, like, like they were very good footballers. They were unique, really. It's unbelievable. Stanley, right for it. Top in the middlefield, good kick, Billy Kenny there. Billy Kenny pushed. I think at this stage we're all Ireland club champions, it looks like it. Brilliant, absolute brilliant game of football now. I think it was only then it really hit us. History was made. And the game is over. We're all Ireland champions. 1989-1990. Tommy Murphy started training the team in what? I think it was 75, and I was a selector, and Ken Brown was a selector, and Tom Whelan and Johnny, Johnny Farrell. So, like, we were selectors then, the five of us, like, for a good few years, up until, the, ah, into the 90s, like, you know. I came, got involved in the club in uh, 77. Um, I became involved in, in underage, and I became secretary of the juvenile committee. And uh, we started getting organised coaching, organised training on the Saturdays here. That was the start of it. And uh, we had very good coaches in Ken Brown, James Kelly, and there was a lot of senior players got involved as well at that stage. And uh, there was a lot of players that evolved around what we had Hennessy Cups in the West, and, and there was various other competitions in the West having the Cups. And we, it was basically for younger players, and uh, a lot of our players emerged from there. Uh, in 79 we had a very young team and uh, a lot of them players came from uh, to be involved with our, our county or with our county and uh, minors, under 21s and eventually seniors. I played football with Clane in, in 1970 because I was stationed at Ben Robertstown which wasn't too far from Clane. Beyond the Clane to Eden Derry Road, kind of Robertstown was off that road a bit. And uh, I would have known the Carew family at the time, so they were playing with Clane, so that's how I joined in with them. Like, there was, Clane was a good club, that time was still a good club, but we didn't make much progress in the championship. I think we might have been beaten the first or second round in the championship. So then in, in March that year, 1970, I came to Bonnet, but I was still playing with Clane then. But then I got married on the 24th of March, 71, and then I transferred to the boys here. Uh, play, and played senior football with them here and won a championship in 71 and 72. 76, and I think I, I was a sub then for the other two championships, the one I'm not sure whether it was or 79 and probably 81, I think, or maybe 80. So that was my playing days, but then I won a junior championship in 82, which was a great joy altogether. I was still playing, I was playing centre half back, and it was, it was a great joy to win that championship, you know, for, even for the club here. A lot of lads that had maybe gone over the top were still playing, and they really enjoyed it, you know. And then I became a member of the committee in 73. I was elected secretary in 1975 at the 
AGM at the end of 75. So I was secretary then up until 88, when then I became chairman in, at the AGM in 88. And at that same time I was elected vice chairman of the county board, so I was so busy with that then I had to step down at the end of 88. And one of our local men took over then in 80, at the AGM in the end of 89. And he stepped down. You know, he became the, at the end of 88, he became, 87 I became chairman. And then at the end of 88, Peter Burke took over for me as chairman. But he only stayed for a year. And he stepped down for in the end of 89. So I became chairman then at the end of 89, after winning the Leinster Club Championship. So I was chairman then in 1990. Sporting Lass won the championship in 76 and also won the under 21 championship. Now the under, the under 21 championship was, I think a lot of the clubs maybe didn't feel the team in it like, you know, it was, I think maybe it was the first year it was ever played in Wilton, I'm not too sure of that, but anyway, they won the under 21 championship and then the, the, the following year then um, I became a selector with the under 21s. So, um, we, um, that was 77. We were beaten in the senior championship early on that year. And uh, I started training the under 21s. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and we were lucky as well. <clears throat> From the 76 team, there was 13 of them underage in 77. So, like, we, you had all those lads, like, you know. So, we won the championship, the under 21 in 77, and had them again in 78, one in 78, and one in 79. So, that was the four under 21 teams. And then I took over the senior team in 79, and I brought on all the young lads. <laughs> there were very good competitions being run in West Wicklow. West Wicklow had a district board at the time. There was four district boards in Wicklow at the time. West Wicklow was one of them. And there were unbelievable competitions going on. Once the summer had finished, they'd start then at the end of September, October, and go right through the winter until the new season started, maybe then March or April. But they were known as the Kyo Cups, Hennessy Cups, Corcoran Cups, they were junior competitions. And a lot of them were listed competitions where we would go to a meeting and we'd have our list of players who'd be entitled to play in that. So you could bring on young lads. If there were some hardy annuals there, they'd be scrapped. But therefore, there was no problem bringing on young lads at that particular time. But as well as that, we were concentrating a lot. Martin Coleman, Ken Brown, a lot of other people concentrating on our juvenile scene because we hadn't won a minor and underage championship for a good while. But that led us up to, I'd say, to a lot of those fellas got hardened in that junior grade. And then they came on and a lot of them were playing. I mean, Con Murphy played his first senior championship in 78. He was only 16. So they were coming on all the time, you know, from all that underage thing. They always looked after juveniles here, and Ken was great now in the, in the vocational school, like, you know, he was there for years and years. Ken Brown was woodwork teacher in the vocational school at the time, and he was a great man for football in the school, brought on young lads. They were always there or thereabouts, like winning Wicklow champ, like at first year, junior and senior, I'd say there was hardly a year went by, like, that they didn't win some of them, one of them anyway. And then, then they won Leinster. Uh, the vocational school is one Leinster and yeah, the one in All Ireland. Now it's said uh, Kevin O'Brien was probably in the All Ireland team. It's uh, I think he was. He was captain. And like that was uh, our nursery here. Still our nursery. 
But that was the way it was brought on at the time. Young lads came on from there, you know. But also during that time as well, we ran our local little competitions, like it was known as the Farrell Cup here. And we used to get all the juveniles together right from this little lads up and play a local competition here, which was another way of, like for instance, Sean O'Brien, we couldn't allow him to, we had to introduce one half one solo for Sean O'Brien, because otherwise he'd get the ball here and he'd go the whole way with it, you know. So we did a good crop of young lads coming, like, you know, and good footballers. And... We, we weren't really concentrating on Leinster, but when it came to that stage, when it, when it came, we, we there was other codes creeping in and we, we felt we had to do something uh, to, to hold on to our people and it was all about work and we got more, that time there was under 12, 14 and 16 and, and uh, the schools team, the primary school team, but we were getting them ready for to be, first of all, to be players for botanists and uh, to uh, hopefully that day would carry the mantle both players or maybe mentors or, or officers of the club in future. And we were never taught about, oh, we have to get the team ready. We might get, win a Leinster sometime. That never really came into us, but probably in our senior team, to run in, in 85, I suppose, we all believed in that it could happen. But of course, we probably would have been the envy of the other clubs in, in underage grade at that time as well, you know, that we were winning so much, you know. But it was all a build-up, like a gradual build-up, you know. I always reckon we, we were learning the whole time, like, you know, the, you know, and trying to make ourselves better, like, you know. Even if we didn't qualify ourselves or we were knocked out, like, we always went, like, and followed up on teams and watched games and trying to learn a bit, you know. And I suppose um, we were beginning to believe in ourselves that we could play a lot better, and particularly we played a lot better when we went outside the county. There was always pressure within the county to get it, to, to try and win your championship. But when we got outside the county, we were always able to express ourselves a bit better and we were able to play with more freedom. For a good few years, like, our ambition was to win a Leinster. And we never thought of all Ireland or anything like just Leinster. We just, you know, because we knew we weren't far off. Because any team we played like, now we did, we, uh, we, we learned hard lessons along the way, like, and we did, we got hockeyed a few times, like in different years, like, especially early on, like, you know. But early on, like I'd say, we hadn't the interest, like, that we took later on in years. In 71, 72 and 76, once the county final was over, we didn't train like we just we drank porter. We didn't <laughs> didn't bother with training like you know we enjoyed the the county success. But then I'd say like um, eighty five like we trained that year now like like ever after we took it more serious like you know. Eighty five was brilliant. I mean, um, beating Ballymun Kitchens in Crow Park in the first round was was unbelievable at the time, you know and then going on into Leinster and uh, eventually got to a Leinster final in Port in, in Athai. We used to love playing in Athai and we played a lot of club games in Athai now, you know. Port Leash had a good team at the time and we drew with them in the, in the first match and they beat us in the replay. And, uh, but that was really the, a lot of the team that pl played in 90 played on that, on that team as well. I'd say there's about five or six of them kind of gradually slipped away then and then the 
the young lads were coming on again, you see, young Kennys and fellas like that. But the lads in charge at the time, Tony and all those boys in charge, they, they knew at that time that there, were, there was something brilliant here, you know. Then in 87, I reckon, 87 and 88, I reckon, um, we played Parnells. We won the championship both times, and we played Parnells in the, in the first round. And I reckon that's where we, we blossomed after those two games. They, those two, they taught us a lot. And, uh, and also, it also matured the team a lot. Because they were a big, strong, physical team. They were dogfights. You know, and you learn a lot from those type of games. Parnells were kind of lucky that time because I remember Thomas Donahue who was playing cornerback and he was one of the young lads at the time, went to block a ball and it ricocheted off his, off his hands and ricocheted over the bar here. I think that might have been the crucial change in relation to that. But still it was progress, you know. And Parnells now had a good team that time. They had Talty, they had two guys with the name of Blissets, Glenn O'Neill and a lad by the name of North, Declan North. Talty is from Chum and Gala. My wife is from Chum as well. And I kind of, ah, kind of got to know him, like, you know. <laughs> He was in the dressing room afterwards anyway, and he was singing, who stuck the ball in the ball thrown net? <laughs> Everyone is at it now. <laughs> and they went on to win the Leinster that year. The first round in, in 89, uh, Leinster Club Championship was in Longford. I remember that very clearly, because we were supposed to play in Pierce Park, but whether they tried to put a quick one or not, they shifted them to their own, shifted us to their own grounds. And it was a terrible old wet time, and the pitch was very heavy. We played in the Slashers ground because uh, the county pitch wasn't available because it was uh, waterlogged or was supposed to be waterlogged. I don't know. Maybe it was the day before. It was late enough anyway and Longford in, uh, informed the club here that the game would be played in Longford Slashers grounds, that the county pitch wasn't, wasn't playable. So, you know, sometimes things like that can upset you, you know. But, ah, no, we said, right, sure. I think it made us more determined. Like, because they were getting one over on this lake and they were conning us a bit. So we went down to Longford anyway, and the first place, we, we were all on the bus anyway, and the first place we went it was up to the county grounds, and Tommy Murphy and Ken Brown and myself got in over the wall <laughs> in Pierce Park and walked around, and there wasn't a thing wrong with it. It was perfectly playable. So anyway, we went back and went up to the up to the Longford Slashers clubhouse. and. Uh, well, we got over that anyway, and uh, we had a good old night up in the Slashers ground. I remember that uh, we, they catered for us and all up there and looked after the team. As well as that at that time, um, I probably started doing, I used to be doing the commentaries as well with the local video man. But I used to go from looking after the dressing room here, the list, the team list and all of that, and then I used to go straight across to your man here. For the, he was over, probably over there, wherever he was and whatever venue we were in. I'd go over and join him there for the commentary. Welcome to Longford for this second round of Leinster Club Football Championships between Bauntin and Longford Slashers. This match has first of all been changed from Pierce Park to the Longford Slashers home ground here at the clubhouse. We done our homework on them and I'd say it was probably, we started that then like to do our homework on teams like and I'd say maybe that was around the start of it or we were 
get more into it around that stage, you know. And the video was the important thing at the time. I mean, it'd be it'd nearly do that every pub in the town, you see, because every pub in the town would nearly want it. So it was, it'd be going on for a week, like, you know, and make sure everybody would be enjoying it immensely, you know. Watching players and trying to find out bits and pieces about them and strengths and weaknesses and all that. We beat them anyway. We beat them 13 points to 1 5. So that makes the score now 13 points to 1 5. Good cushion of a lead here now. Kick out from John Barry, and there goes the full time whistle. The game is over. Barney Less have won this. Leicester Cup Championship go on now to semi final on the score of Barton Less 13 points, Longford Slashers 1 5. And then we came along and got ready for the Perrapan game. And I reckon the Perrapan game was the, the best game of the lot. That was a brilliant game. That was a game. And we 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 done very well to, to come out with that one now, you know. But for Ban, that day for Ban were short. Michael Lowry, he got injured. Yeah, and he was a big loss to them now. Robert kicks it right for it, low across the goal mouth. Broken from for Ban. Billy Kenny pulls on it, right for it. Oh, great score there from Billy Kenny. Over the bar. After two minutes of play, great score there by Billy Kenny. First time pull, straight over the bar. Score now is Bond, just one point. For Van, no score. We had a very good first half, but they came back strong in the second half, but we held out anyway. It was nip and tuck, we got a great start. And we were, I think, about 10, seven or eight points up at half time, and we held on then to the, to the end. I remember clearly that day, I was, the, the dressing room in the thigh is on the, far side of the pitch and I used to have to come from there across through the crowd on the bank at the old bank in Athai and the man Billy Winters for the, the camera he had it on the far side on the road side which was a great view from it you know and like the number of people that were at that match was phenomenal and people there were people at that match that maybe even from around here that I've never seen in matches before of all religions you know they were really everybody was buying into this you know we done our homework on for Bam. We watched them in the county final and we had videos. And yeah, just before that now, uh, we started to like, gather up videos of games, like, you know, about position, like, and, and we had a few contacts around different parts of the country and we were able to get videos, you know. <clears throat> so we were always watching videos and buying papers and reading up in games, especially, you know, especially the opposition, like. McKenny kicks a right for it, going towards the far sideline. Between Brendan Flynn and Brian Fitzpatrick. Brian Fitzpatrick breaks it to, to Pat Kelly. Pat Kelly back to Brendan Flynn. Brendan Flynn well tackled by Pat Murphy. Still Brendan Flynn. Brendan Flynn loses possession. Referee blows his whistle. There goes the final whistle. The game is over. Bond has reached the final of this Leinster Club Championship. Great display on the score of three goals and 12 points to one goal and 11. And then we were into the, into the final, you know. And you know, the like of those victories, they give you great confidence as well, like, you know, because you're. You know, especially when you're when you're playing teams with household names, and, and you know maybe after winning all Ireland's, like you know, inter-county all Ireland's. So like it, you know, it does put the the thought in your mind, like we're not that far off, or there or thereabouts, like we're able to hold our own with with different teams. We. Came to the Thomas Davis game and that game ended in a draw, one six apiece. And McHugh kicked the kicked the free that day. Oh no, from an awkward angle, about forty yards out, like out and around it. I can still see Robin McHugh's 
three out on the right hand side as, as, as you look over the, down the stand from Newbridge and miraculous score and, and, and give us a, a one six each. So Dan Lee now with the gig out. Two minutes left in the game. All the papers still here. Finding Thomas Davis lead by a point. One six to one five. Good kick from Dan Lee. Billy Kenny rises. Billy Kenny takes it. Well taken by Billy Kenny. Still Billy Kenny. Been tackled. Billy Kenny kicks a right for it. In the space here towards Raymond Dan. Breaks from Raymond Dan from John Joe Martin. Kevin O'Brien is there. Kevin O'Brien is pushed. A free end of all he has. Kevin O'Brien foul there, so the free end of on us here now from the very near the end line, very near the sideline on the 14 yard line. Rowan McHugh to take it. As I said, this free now on the 14 yard line, roughly two minutes left in the game. Rowan McHugh to take it. It's going to be marked by, by Gay McCabe, Robert Stelling himself. Up he comes now, kicks it right for him. Good kick from Robert McHugh. Oh, great kick from Robert McHugh. Over the bar. Oh, the equaliser score there from Robert McHugh. Makes the score now. Body has 1-6. Thomas Davis 1-6. Oh, a very acute angle. A great score there from Robert McHugh. How he got it over the bar, I just don't know. To equalise that match, you know. It was just great. McHugh was a good little free kicker now. He was he was, he was was consistent. Now, I missed one now and again. Now, but he was consistent. But I said he pulled out all the stops that way. But then he's the type of a lad, he'd have the confidence to, to take that on, you know. He's a cocky little boy. Those days in Newbridge, like the crowd would be on the pitch there and should we, we'd be in the dressing room and should we'd be as proud as punch, you know, and the lads would be on a high and... Uh... And then of course the replay then, um, was it the following Sunday or whenever, anyway, and sure. We were lucky enough now, we had, we had Billy Kenny and, and Raymond Dan and they were two big men and Billy... Uh, Billy Kenny, Billy Kenny always got the dirty jobs. <laughs> he always got, he always got someone to mark, like you know. Or, and he was a great man marker. He was great to, to keep lads quiet and block them out, you know. And he was, he was cool, like you know. He he never he never lose he'd never lose his head or and he and he was he'd keep he'd stick at it. Or three points down would nearly time coming against us and uh, I remember Tommy Murphy putting a, 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 a hell of a tackle. Paul Nugent out there again, this man going to town, turns him. Still Paul Nugent, retackled by Raymond Dunn. Back to number two, David Nugent, well tackled by Tommy Murphy. Comes off Tommy Murphy to Pat Murphy. Pat Murphy chips it inside to Robert McHugh. Robert, something happening over here now. The ball broke and Billy, Billy went after the ball, and everyone thought the ref had, had, uh, he'd blow for a free, but he went play on, and Billy ran down and kicked it over the bar. <laughs> the players going on, Billy Kenny in possession. Still Billy Kenny. Billy Kenny looking. Kick for Billy Kenny. Great score Billy Kenny. Oh, the bar. Oh, brilliant score there from Billy Kenny. So that makes the score now. Barton has won. 1 5. Thomas Davis has 10 points. We scored three points, another three points on the trot. And... Wouldn't that game be a point? One. 1-9 to 11 points was the final score. Well, that's the champions of 1989. Brilliant work there. Oh, what a day for Baldwin, does. Oh, brilliant day. Great day for Wicklow. History was made. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick went up the steps in Newbridge to collect the cup. 
to win a Leinster like, you know, and we were happy with that. And we never thought of all Ireland or Castlehaven or anything like that. You know, it was just to win the Leinster. Like we were we were looking ahead for a good few years, you know, and, and kept building up towards the eventually to win it like, you know, but uh, uh, it was a long struggle. <laughs> but we got there. And we celebrated that night. There was always a great buzz here when we won a championship, you know. I mean, there'd be the parade and the lorry on the square, and like it was a great time, really. I mean, all that time was a great time traveling to Longford and places, different places, you know. We always big crowds, like for um, when you'd win a county final, like it'd be parades for the town and there'd be a bonfire and all that. And I oh, yeah, was, I'd be, well, I'd say it was bigger than the than the than the county final, like you know, you'd. You'd have a good few outsiders that had be following the team as well, like, and, well, they'd have an interest. And, uh, of course, the clubs around it, they'd all turn up, turn out. It was a great time. Great time for everybody. I mean, it was a powerful time at the club, like, you know. Then we had the Christmas. I think the Christmas was probably a week or a fortnight or so. We enjoyed that and, and uh, then got stuck into it again in the new year. <laughs> I remember in the new year, like we went back training, and and uh, um, we said we'd have to get a few practice matches. The first couple of games, anyway, I remember we played, and oh Jesus, we were stuck to the ground. We were crap. Nothing. <laughs> I think we had forgot everything, like you know. So, but then we played the Kildare under 21s up in um, up in Ballymore, Eustace. And uh, you could see things were coming back, you know. I suppose we didn't think or maybe thought so deeply of what was coming, like, you know. You're listening to Balto, an Irish underdog story, on Documentary on News Talk. We took on the, the mighty Castlehaven and... Uh, the day we played Castlehaven, oh, that was a terrible day. Oh, and the weather before that was terrible. The match now it could have been, it was very nearly being cancelled or, or taken out of Ockram, like because Ockram was, you could say, nearly unplayable. And I have to say, in in, in fairness to Wicklow and Wicklow County Board in general, uh, it was a fierce wet, wet time, and uh, they pulled out all the stops that and so this match could be played in Ockram. I mean, they even, I would nearly say they went round with spoons to take the water off the pitch so as the match could be played. And the day they went ahead anyway, and, and um, within that day, McHugh was missing. He was, after, he was after getting pneumonia a couple of days before that, and he was confined to the bed. Like, and he was a free kicker. Ball is in, the game is on. Raymond Ann go for it. Larry Thomas has possession. Still Larry Cummins, solo one. Kicks it right for it towards John Cleary. Sean O'Brien is there. Taken by Tommy Murphy. Tommy Murphy fills it to Sean O'Brien. Raymond Dan coming for possession. Sean O'Brien, Raymond Dan. Sean kicks it left for it. Long kick. Landed 40 yards out. Towards Paul Kelly. Breaks for Paul Kelly to Carl Murphy. Carl Murphy is through. Carl Murphy kicks a shot. Left foot and over the bar. A point for Bonnie Lass. Great start there for Bonnie Lass. Sean O'Brien, long ball broke from Paul Kelly. Paul Kelly, Carl Murphy following through. Conworthy straight through, clean over the bar. We were in Cork after winning the All-Ireland that year, like with, with three Castlehaven 
fellows on the team, Tompkins, Cahillan and John Cleary. And I think maybe there was two more than sums in that team, a lad by the name of Maguire, and he was the sub goalkeeper, but he played outfield for Castlehaven, and a lad by the name of Burdens. I think those two were subs. And there could have been another Cleary a sub on the, on the Cork team at that time as well. But this was the might of Cork at the time, like the Cahillans and Larry Tompkins and, and uh, John Cleary. You know, all those fellas, Michael Maguire, they were all on the, on the, on the Cork panel at the time, as you know. They were the, they were the fear. But Tompkins, now Tompkins, he, he missed a few frees that day. Yeah, but um, he got a bit of a bang during the game. <laughs> <laughs> Our conditions were bad that day, now that was, a, that was, that was one of the dog fights. They're going to final whistle. Forty lesser in an Ireland and final. Final on the 17th of March against the winners of the Roscommon champions, Panagale and the Warren champions, Scottstown. Ball just went once, five, two, six points. Excellent day from Bond last, excellent day from Wicklow. We won by two points, I think, uh, but um, we scored one five in the, in the first half and we didn't score in the second half, but we held out to, uh, to, to win and, and to... Um, get up the step to play Clannagale um, in the All-Ireland final on the 17th of March. Oh, the build-up was crazy, like. I mean, the build-up in the town, like, was brilliant. And that time, like, I mean, we were dealing with the press and we were dealing with the radios and, you know, doing interviews and... Local radio was kind of coming to prominence at the time, like. And this was a great boost for them as well, you know. I mean, with the reporters over here and even national reporters. I mean, Paddy Hickey used to write for the Independent at the time, he used to write for the Evening Press, the old Evening Press, and he became very involved with us here now, you know, he'd be down nearly every match, and he, I don't think he'd even want, want to go home, kind of a thing, you know, but... There was a lot of people we, we, we met and met very good friends at the time, and... Photographers, you know, it was great, like, there was a... We put a lot of fellas on the map, really. There was a lot of interviews, and uh, I think um, the players coped with it very well. We, we kept them freedom without... Uh, realising that what they were doing, like, you know, and they, they coped very well with it, and it was all a buzz, and they, they were all taken into the the whole atmosphere of the occasion. I mean, I'd done an interview with me, Hollow Murrah Hook, and it might be the Thursday or Friday night before the match, or maybe the Wednesday night I was working in the station, and I'd done it in the kitchen, but that was the kind of a thing we were dealing with at the time, which was a big step up for us, you know, Northern Little Club and West Wicklow, like, I mean, but anyhow, we handled it. And there was a lot, lot of local people, local businesses that wanted to sponsor us. We had no sponsor at the time, at that time. But there was a lot of people going involved. Bank of Ireland, Gillespie's, which is now Super Value, Quinn's, of course, they were. They're still our sponsors. A lot of people got involved. There was a lot of offers coming in of, of uh, help and uh, finances as well. Uh, there was a lot of funding coming in through the post and people offering their sponsorship for various things. Even bus companies from all over Ireland were offering uh, their buses for the for the day, but we declined their offer again because Paddy Dunn and, and the Dunn family had been very good to the club over many years and they looked after our needs, particularly for juveniles, and, and Paddy Dunn um, was, was, the, was the bus company that uh, brought us to Crow Park that day, as he had brought us many other places. You know, there were, it, was, it, was a, it was a big step up for us, you know, but we handled it fairly well. I mean, if it was today, we'd do a lot better on it, but that time it was just simple, you know. 
I remember we met down in the square at nine o'clock in the morning and we on the bus. We travelled by bus all the time. Yeah, which was great, like, and we sing song on the bus and the crack would be 19, you know, but... There was people there waving us goodbye with flags and good luck and all that. And then there was numerous signs on the whole way up from different clubs all the way up wishing us well. I suppose Wicklow was hungry for, for a success and just seeing the success coming from Bodnas and they wanted to, to join in and be, be part of that success. There's a local man here, uh, Jim Fitzmaurice, he's a guard here as well, and of course you're a Common man, you know. And he was about four or five miles out the road with a, a Roscommon flag, and he on his knee, and us going by, you know. And then there was a big sign, a big plastic, oh, probably eight foot by two foot, I'd say, at the Blue Gardenia there, this side of Tala, which is, the pub is now closed, but it's still, it's still there, but it's not, it's not working. But there was a big sign there attached to a tree from Thomas Davis which is a nice touch. And uh, we went to the Ashling Hotel. Jim Whelan, who was the Coca-Cola manager at the time, and he played, played on goals here with me in the, in the 70s. And he was manager of Coca-Cola, well, area manager. And uh, he organised a cup of tea for us in the Ashling Hotel. So we went in there and we had, I don't know, something to eat. I don't know, maybe, of course, that time we only had a few sandwiches or whatever. I forget now, but anyway. Couple of, maybe a few drinks. <laughs> then, there was a superhero at the time called Liam Clancy, and he was stationed in Dublin a lot of his life. And uh, I mentioned to him one day about uh, that we were going to Crow Park. Well, he knew all about it, you know. And he said to me then, uh, I said to him one day, I said, here in the station, I said, Super, would there be any hope of getting a guard escort from the Ashley Hotel to Crow Park? And that was the last I heard of it. Until we came out of the Ashley Hotel, and next to who pulled up only two motorcycles, guard and motorcycles. And I suppose for many of us, that was the first time we ever seen a Garda escort, let alone to be involved in it. <laughs> Off we took any up Coynham Road, up North Circle, we passed everything. Everything. There was no junction, was straight through. Oh, Jesus, and this is incredible. You were flying by cars, you know, and these two guys out in front of us, and these lights and horns going. And then we were passing like our own supporters all driving in and of course some of them, some of them uh, knew the bus like and they were out waving flags and whatnot. Well Tom had a, 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 an item that relieved the tension from everybody in that bus and say this was it. I mean Sean O'Brien was up on the back of the seat and he was, the eyes was popping over his head about this, this traffic, we were passing everything. On our circular road was jammed. And we were passing it all on the right-hand side, straight along, down onto Dorset Street, down Clonliff Road. And you know, I have a feeling I think we passed the Clannagale bus on the way in that day. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind, they had lots of guards on the team. I remember coming up, we uh, came across the Clannagale bus and it was thrown into the sidelines and uh, we went out flying by it. So that gave the, the team a bit of a lift relieved the whole tension of the whole match. I'd say nobody was thinking of a match at that stage. And we went in anyway, and we're in lots of time now for Crow Park, and we went in and, uh, and we walked out on the pitch. And we got fined for it <laughs> afterwards <laughs> by Crow Park. <laughs> I'll never forget that day as long as I live. We were out on the pitch, I'm sure. The crowds were gathering in the Hoban stand, sure it was, uh, the atmosphere was unbelievable, you know. But then I made my way to the crow's nest, as I call it, up in the Hoban stand, up to my television man or my video man. 
So I done the commentary on it there. I can certainly assure you it's a fierce, exciting day here for both myself and my cameraman up here in the what's known as the Crow's Nest. Aaron Coleman always talk here about our Ireland final day. How would it be like to be up here? But I can certainly assure you, Martin, it's absolutely brilliant. And it's brilliant the way things are going at the moment. Especially for Martin, lads. And to my Clan of Gale folks, I hope that I've not been a little bit biased. I remember um, we wanted to get out on the pitch a little earlier and we didn't understand the protocol in Crow Park that you were to go out at a certain time and come back at a certain time, but we wanted to go out early and warden let and get out. We had to go out at a point of time and uh, we went out anyway and warmed up and got the game going. And I These are only my own thoughts now. As I said, Clannagale were probably a bit cocky that day, like playing the Wicklow champions and like wouldn't, you know, inter-county, like, you know, we weren't grey at the time or we're, I'd say Roscommon football was probably a bit better than Wicklow. You know, after playing in three finals, like, you know, that, that stands for a lot too. Like, you know, you have the experience of the day and the build-up and the whole lot. But it was all new to us. But um, having said that, like, we took it in our stride now, you know, we didn't... We give ourselves a chance now. We, we never doubted ourselves going into that final. We said, yeah, we're here now and we're going to give it a shot, like, you know, we're going to have a go at it. We got a, a, a great first half. We were 2-2 two, two to something up. We were a couple of points up at, after playing against the wind. I remember we came back into the dressing room and uh, the mentors were discussing the, whether to make changes or whether to, what to do and uh, we didn't dress the room anyway and everybody was calm and there was a knock on the door. Are you ready to come out? And one of our mentors said, we wanted to go out at the start and you wouldn't let us so you may wait till we're ready. This free now to be taken by Sean O'Brien. Tony Senior is inside, not a man within an asset room. Don't know why Sean is taking this free. Near the end, uh, one of our players, Sean O'Brien, the Bond, we called him, got a serious injury and, and um, he was tagged on to hospital and, and that put a little damper at the, at the very end of it. Sean O'Brien back to Brian with Spanish, robbed by Tony Manis. Tony Manis, still Tony Manis. Tony Manis looking. Kicks left foot and gone left and gone wide. Lucky escape there from Bonty, lads. Meanwhile, Sean O'Brien is down injured here. He was brought out in a stretch right in the maggot he Sean is okay. Then we got word that the bomb was okay and things let fly again. I remember uh, we were five pints up and I said to Tony Norton, I think we have it. Crowd behind Bardo again. Great crowd here. He said nothing, and uh, after a couple of minutes, I think it was Roger McHugh got a point. Roger's going on. Roger kicks it right for it, chips it. Oh, straight down the ball. Oh, great point for Bardo McHugh. And he came back and he hit me a tattery. Now we have it, he said. Oh, brilliant point. Put it back six points ahead. Bardo last, two seven. That again, seven points. I think at this stage we're all Ireland club champions, it looks like it. The giant seconds now, people whistling all around the grounds here. Tommy Super corner for the ball, and the game is over. We're all Ireland champions. 1989, 1990. Oh, what a day for Bounty What a day for Wicklow. Jack Bootman, who was chairman of the Leinster Council at the time, 
and uh, who was a candidate for the presidency, uh, presented a cup uh, to, to Brian Fitzpatrick. And Brian made a very eloquent and long speech. I think the officials were getting to scratch their heads and all along more he but history was made. To get them out then and get them on the bus for head for home was oh, I should be. the bus was alive on the way home. First stop was Blessington. Blessington was our first stop and we were then were beat in in Hennessy's and Blessington a, a great GA family. And Hennessy's had a reception for us now when we arrived. And I remember uh, uh, see, I don't think Sean was on the bus with his leg, you know, he was after coming down in the car with somebody. And I remember the first pe person I saw when I went into Hennessy was Sean and he drinking a <laughs> And we had a uh, nice few drinks there and we got back on the bus and you know something? I think it was only then it really hit us. Yeah, I, I, I felt that way anyway. I remember coming onto the bus, just getting onto the bus, a gentleman came over to me and said, uh, what, what's it? you're after one out there today, it'll take many years before you really appreciate what's out there happening. And that is true probably, as, as the years went on, we, we, we now realise what a great feat it was. And I say every child in the town got up in the bus with us on the way home. I don't know how I got home, like it was loaded, loaded to the bolsters. <laughs> We eventually got back to Bartinglands and into Jermaine's for some grub and back out on the street then for the usual parade. And we couldn't uh, really understand uh, the amount of people. Uh, the bus was hardly early up the town. There was bonfires all over the place. <coughs> As a matter of fact, the fire brigade had to be called. <laughs> some of the cars got scorched, the backs of them. It melted, uh, on two cars I think it melted uh, the indicators on the, on the back of the car and I had to call the fire brigade. <laughs> and I suppose um, we're all going around the days, uh, particularly after, after that, we were shaking ourselves and... Uh, Jack Bootman, I think Lord Immersion was down with us that time, he was then Sir Chairman at the time. Peter Coe is now no longer with us and oh, there was numerous people spoke that time. I mean, or even local old clergymen who I think have gone to heaven as well, a lot of them. That was great, you know. The goodwill that I create, not alone the GA, but in the community. Uh, it, was, it was like Christmas, and everybody was kind to one another. Everybody was uh, telling of the great feats, and uh, the whole town was practically at it, and mass times was was put on earlier to accommodate people that are going. And it, it brought great spirit to the community as well. The whole place was alive, like. I mean, the, the GA at that time, I say, kept a lot of people alive as well. You know, old people, I mean, I could name numerous old people that were diehard, bonded supporters, you know. But they kept them going, you know. And I think that's about it, mostly, is the enjoyment that the people got and the amount of, of uh, people that, uh, particularly the elderly people, the lift that gave them at that particular time was unreal. And so it does a county final. If you win a county final, it can bring in, a, uh, can give a great lift to individuals and, and to the community. I remember when the whole thing was over, like, I mean, that night, I remember I walked home. I live out the road about 
maybe a mile or so. And like walking home that night, like it, you'd have to feel so proud, like you know, that, you know, it was, that was it, like as far as I was concerned, the job was done. I think uh, from that on, the, the club here found, uh, has been respected all over the country, no matter where you go. And somebody ask where you're from, and you'd say Botanist, uh, people would recognise the Botanist Club. You know, the papers then the next day, and the papers all week, and the local papers and photographs of some of it down there and still down the, the club down the lower part of the area. So that was it. It was a great game. The lads done well, you know. It would have been underdogs against Thomas Davis's underdogs against uh, Forban. We're a phenomenal group of players like. They were unbelievable like at the time. Like they were very good footballers though. They were unique really. I remember after the after the, the final whistle blew in, in Crow Park that day, I had one just ambition and that was to capture the the, 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 the football. And I went to the referee who was Paddy Sugru from from Kerry and I asked him for the for the, the game ball and I still have that game ball with it signed by all the players and the mentors and uh, it's a very special uh, memento. Balto, an Irish underdog story, was produced by Jonathan Farley and Dave Thorpe and was supported by a grant from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland as part of the Sound and Vision scheme. To listen back to this or any other Newstalk documentary, go to newstalk.com forward slash documentary on Newstalk.